1: You know I'm right. Episode 30, the Big 3o, right here on WG Sports Radio Network. I'm Nick Durst. Joe Calabrese on assignment in Michigan are able to join us today, but we do have not one, not two, but three special guests. Three guys who were in the MLB research business or are on the MLB research business. So let's introduce them all here, and then I'll explain to you what we're going to be doing today. First up, he is the Card Operations Manager at StarStock, former MLB researcher, and he is a big fan of the program. Welcome to the show, Brendan Pierce. Brendan, how are you? I'm good, Nick. Thank you for having
0: me. I'm super excited. It's uh, like an MLB network slash zone reunion here,
1: so I'm looking forward to getting into some trivia. There we go. Next up, we have the associate producer at WJR-TV in Providence, Rhode Island. And of course, you know him as a big fan of the umpires. He runs a great umpire Twitter account, and he once wrote an awesome open letter to Rob Manfred. And he is, of course, a former researcher (laughs) with MLB Network as well. And he he did some uh, research in the booths for the Red Sox. And he is Matt Kutcher. Matt, welcome to the
2: show. Thrilled and thrilled and a pleasure to be here.
1: All right. And last but not least, we have the man who is an author of Bonded Up the Seams, Baseball in Our Lives, and Baseball Car Generations. He is a contributor for Fan He, of course, is the Emmy Award winning freelance researcher at LB Network. He is Matthew Orso.
3: Great to be here, Nick. And great to see Cooch. Great to see Brendan. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so for our listeners
1: at home, so don't get confused. We got two mats here, so Matthew Orso will be Orso, Matt will be Matt, and Brendan will be Brendan. Orso, we got to start with this, though. You recently did an interview with Brian Cashman. How crazy was that, and how did that come together?
3: Oh my gosh, that was insane. Um, it's, I won't bore you with like the long story details, but we were able to get the interview. Um, he gave us a lot of great quotes. Um, I was able... I, not only Cashman, I got an interview with Adovino, um, Boone, and Parchman. So that was, it was just really cool. It was like a real whirlwind of a couple of weeks.
1: Excellent. So, you know, we've, we've all seen your books and whatnot. So why don't you explain to us, because this is a big topic of discussion at MLB Network last season, the Orso Method, and who in the MLB today has the highest Orso Method score?
3: Is it Mike Trout, as it would appear, or have you not yet calculated that? Oh my gosh, You know, that's a blast from the past. I wrote the Orso Method when I was in high school. That was about 10 years ago. And honestly, I'm embarrassed. I think I forgot what it was. What? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest here. I kind of forgot. Anybody
1: want to help Orso <laughs> on what the, the Orso Method is? <laughs> I can only imagine
0: what the Orso, math, Orso method is. My God!
3: <laughs> oh my gosh! It's oh. better. It's better than. It's better than war. Was it? Was it the total? <laughs> was it the total base advancement efficiency? I think it was like
1: you added up like batting average and home runs, and then you divided or something.
3: Oh my uh, gosh! I have to go check no. out
1: your book. I think.
3: Oh my gosh! My book is not currently with me. I wish. Wait, is it? With, no, no. It's in, no. It's in my other house.
1: Dang it! <laughs>
3: I can't even run and use that as a cheat sheet. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I, I mean,
1: essentially, the Orso method was when you would add up a bunch of stats, and then you would essentially, you know. So if you have if you have Orso's book, you could you could turn to page nineteen, and it's going to be right there. And in the book, it's a new statistic. It, and as passionate baseball fans, Orso writes, we consistently argue who is the greatest hitter of all time. So, really, he wants to know how you do it. It's easy to calculate. All you have to do is add up the big six baseball statistics, which in this case study would come out to be home runs, RBIs, runs, stolen bases, and hits. Then use the final statistic, which would be batting average, and multiply that number, and there you go. You get the final stat point. So, I don't know. If anybody's bringing some Orso Method trivia questions here, you might, you might, have, uh, you might get Orso out early on oh. in, the, in the, <laughs> the trivia rounds here.
3: <laughs> Getting me out on my I'm own uh, trivia. Oh my gosh! So I, I the greatest, the
1: greatest hitter of all time, according to the Orsa method. Orso, do you remember who you put down? Was it? It was Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb, one point short of three thousand. Two thousand nine hundred ninety-nine was his final stat point. Absolutely crushed Babe Ruth, so It was 2,691 Hank Aaron in the middle, two thousand eight, two thousand eight hundred seventeen. So we're interested to see where a guy like Mike Trout's so Method falls when it's all said and done. And, I mean, I just want to ask any of you guys who wants to get in here and, and answer this question. What is this year going to do when you're looking back at people's career stats or Hall of Fame candidacy? Because, obviously, they lose a bunch of their season, so they're not going to get those, those big numbers. And you look at a guy like Jacob deGrom, who, you know, chances are, if he won the Cy Young this year in a regular season, he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Now people might say, "Oh, well, he only went two and zero, and he won the the Cy Young." So, I guess Brendan, what do you what do you think about how this year is going to impact Hall of Fame candidacy down the road?
0: I mean, I, I definitely think it's very interesting, just because it's an interesting topic. Because are you really going to look at an MVP in a sixteen in a sixty game season the same way that you would somebody who? won an MVP throughout a 162 game season. I mean, I think it's completely different. I also think that it really depends on who wins the award as well. And I think the same thing could be said for team awards as well. Uh, Whoever wins the World Series this year, if a team like the Marlins or a team like the Royals wins the World Series, people are going to look down on it. Whereas if a team like the Yankees, the Dodgers win, people are going to be like, Hey, it's legit. And I think the same thing could be said when it comes to these MVP and Cy Young awards. It really depends on who the winner is. um, And I think that will have a huge impact. If it was a guy like Degrom. I think people would be like, hey, this guy's been the best pitcher the past two years in baseball. Whereas if you had somebody like Dylan Bundy, who's had a terrific start to the season, if he wins a Cy Young after a year after he just looked absolutely terrible for the Orioles, I think people would be like, hey, is this Cy Young legit? Probably not. So I definitely think it's a very uh, interesting discussion, Um, but I just think you have to look at this short 60-game season with a grain of salt.
1: Or so, is it weird when you're you know, giving stats to on-air hosts and you're like, yeah, he leads the league in home runs. He's got nine
3: on August 16th. It, it, it's definitely weird. Um, I, you know what? I've been going back and forth on this. I think that this season in itself will go down as a historic year. And I don't think that will necessarily take away from, you know, whether a Cy Young should count, whether it should not count this season overall is just going to be the weirdest one in baseball history by far. And I think it's going to be in its own category. Do I think whoever wins the world series is legitimate? It's tough to say. I would lean more towards yes because of all the challenges you face this year over a particularly another year with quarantining with COVID testing, with not being able really just to associate normally. Um, so I would say it's a legitimate year, but for Unlegitimate reasons.
1: Yeah, it's tough when you have like a team like the Cardinals Who <laughs> play like five games. It's it's crazy. Uh, Matt Joe West gets screwed big time this season, right?
2: Well, he'll get the he'll get the record next year and <laughs> So, so for, for the
1: non the non Joe West fans listening to the show what, What's the record? <laughs>
2: Uh, will be all time. Will be all time most games. The uh, umpired. It'll never be touched again because of the replay room now, where the umpires go into the replay room, so they don't work as many games on the field. So he'll pass Bill Clem, uh, somewhere north of 5,300 games, and uh, and he'll he'll that should happen early next year, uh, where he has the all time record sewn up. Or so. What would you think I about? Gotta- What would you think about like a
1: guy like Joe West joining MLB network and coming in as the, as you know, the Mike prayer from the NFL. And I think, I think they should, or at least Fox maybe for the world series should bring in a a former umpire. I think it would add a lot to the broadcast.
3: I I agree. I think adding former umpires would create a new dimension of things. It would give an additional perspective. Um, Can you imagine having someone like Harold Reynolds, and like then Joe West just joining and just like seeing that dynamic on television, it would be amazing. And I think it creates, I I think it adds more. And it would be really interesting to see. And I hope that someday that happens.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Joe West could do a good job of breaking down the robot umpire calls. What do you think about robot umpires? And you think they're
3: going to be coming (laughs) soon? Oh, I have this like, uh, what was that movie back in the 80s with like robots taking over the earth or is that the 50s there was a movie with robots taking over the earth and i feel like we're getting closer to that so i'm kind of like avoiding the whole robot umpire thing at the moment uh
2: brendan so, thoughts on, the up, robot umpires? on that. wait a minute wait a minute
3: who <laughs> <laughs> has to
0: interject are you kidding me come on now
2: <laughs> now this year there have been a couple of occasions where according to the, the box, you know, the call has been correct, and the fans still get all upset, or the player gets all upset. So you're never going to satisfy anyone. You'll have people turning around. You had an, e- an ejection in the Arizona Fall League for a player arguing with the umpire based on a robot umpire call. It's just part of the game of baseball. And uh, this year, I think with this extra inning rule, I know some people like it, but I think we've seen that any time you try and change the game too much, to me, it cheapens, it cheapens things.
1: I would agree. Brendan, what do you think about the, these, these rule changes for this year? I think the DH probably here to stay, but I don't like this, you know, 10th inning runner on second rule. I think it's really hard, hard to watch and it takes away some legitimacy from results of games because uh, I think Orso probably would know the statistics on this, but I think that, the, the visiting team has won the games more often because there's more pressure on the home team in the bottom of the 10th to, to put a run on the board to tie it. What do you think, Brendan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just not a. I'm more of a traditionalist myself, being a diehard Mets fan. I, I'm more of a traditionalist where I don't really love the DH. But given this year and uh, the circumstances with injuries and pitchers hitting and uh, w- with the expanded rosters, I think the DH this season. I have I have no problem with it. But to your to your point, Nick, like I feel like the DH is really here to stay but the one rule that I really uh, have a problem with is the three batter minimum um, I, I don't I'm not exactly in love with that one just because if a relief pitcher comes into the game they walk a batter on four pitches they throw the second batter is starts the, at bat with two balls he clearly just doesn't have it today yep. and now you'll have to have them leave him in to face an additional batter like I just don't really love that rule um, I understand you have to Try to find ways to fasten the game and stuff like that, but I just don't really love the significant rule changes because uh, it's affected the a game, and I get uh, trying to quicken the pace of the games, but um, I think there are other ways to do to do that
1: yeah i'm not sure if it's really saving that much time um, obviously we're not really seeing the full impact this year just because everything's so different anyway but or so, these seven-inning doubleheaders, I, I understand why they're doing them, but f- for have the eighth inning start with a runner on second, that makes no sense to me. I think they should still you know, let the eighth and ninth be played in extra innings without the runner on second. And I think the same thing for a nine-inning game. you got to at least have the 10th or 11th inning with no runner on second. But what are your thoughts on runner on second to start extra innings?
3: I personally don't like it. It's just like it's not <sighs> – I, I'm like Brendan, I'm a traditionalist. I just don't. I, I get it for this year. I get it, like the seven inning doubleheaders for this year because we don't want clubs associating with each other too much and you want the games to end even quicker uh, than normal. But it's just like runner starting at second, but the, he didn't earn his way there. There's no. You don't – I don't know. You don't do it in my book. You don't shorten the games because so many comebacks. Look what happened uh, in yesterday's uh, A's-Giants game. The A's were down 7-2 to in the ninth inning. If that was a doubleheader game in seven innings, the A's don't win that game, and that's a loss. There are two innings to make up ground. Earlier this year, Yankees lost an eleven to seven game against the Phillies, but they were coming back in that seventh inning. They could have had two more innings to win the game. That right. probably cost New York a win. So especially you know what? With,
1: especially with Jonathan
3: Holder able. To oh my no no he no <laughs> bad. I do not want Jonathan Holder anywhere near a one run game or any a two run game. Maybe even an eight run game. So just keep him away. <laughs> keep bad. Keep him away. Matt, what do you
1: think about Tell us these, how you these, really feel? Tell us <laughs> Matt, what do you think about these pitchers who like, you know, they get a loss in the tenth, and you're like, oh, did they get many runs? No. No, they didn't get many runs. It's, the run the run is unearned. The runner scores. It's it's just crazy. And it, it it's impacting stats. It's not fair.
2: Yeah, it's 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 cheap for those guys. And I know it doesn't inflate their ERA, but it, it does it does, as you said, give them potentially a decision. So, I mean, I don't like it. I understand the need to get off the field this year, though, and not play an 18-inning game, which is to me why I wish if the circumstances are such that you have to change these rules that you wouldn't have played. I mean, I understand people want to see their live sports, but to me, the product is not what it used to be, uh, obviously. I mean, they've tried some virtual fans on Fox. They've tried different things. I almost wish it didn't happen in this form. I really do.
3: All
1: right, so lots, lots to digest there. So let's, let's do something a little different here on this show. We're gonna do a little trivia here. So we got three baseball savants here who, who have done research or do still do research for MLB. So we're gonna do a little trivia competition. So each contestant is going to ask the others two trivia questions. And this is how it'll work. Whoever answers the question, if they get it right, they get a point. If nobody gets the question right, asker gets the point so we will start with Mr. Orso who is going to ask his question and it's going to be a free-for-all here so Matt and Brendan you know first come first serve on the answer if there's multiple answers then obviously you both get the chance to get the point but you could also give both answers so nobody else in the competition gets a point so gentlemen are you ready for some baseball trivia
3: Let's do it. Let's go. All right, Orso, take it away with question number one. All right, guys. There are two players in postseason history to have multiple grand slams for their postseason career. Can you name them? Mm. I think one was recently, wasn't it? Uh, Within the last 10 years. Oh, no. Hmm.
2: No Go
1: shooting here.
2: Now I want to say JD Drew because I remember the one, but I don't remember another one.
3: Not JD Drew.
2: <laughs> Any
3: guess, Brendan?
0: No. Let me
1: think. Am I allowed to give hints? If you want to give a hint, but then it, you, might, you might risk the chance of losing the point.
3: Oh, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, Was what, yeah. what, what, it postseason or World Series? Uh, it's postseason, not World Series. All
1: right, we'll give it 10 more seconds here. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. At least, at least Matt gave a guess. Uh, Brendan not even given a guess. All right, I, don't, so I, don't, I don't have a guess. No. Orso. What is the answer? Point to Orso. Orso winning 1-0-0. What is the answer?
3: So, Jim Tomey, grand slam against David Cohn in game six of the 98 ALCS, and then a grand slam against Boston's John Wazden in game two of the 99 ALDS. And Shane Victorino against CeCe Sabathia in the NLDS of 08, and Detroit's Jose Veras in Game 6 of the 2013
2: ALCS. There you have it. Anybody thinking thinking that way at all? No. You should have remembered Victorino. (laughs) You (laughs) should have. (laughs) You're up
1: in Boston. All right, so now Orso gets his point, and we'll move on to another asker. So, Matt, you got your question here, and we'll see if you can stump Orso and stump him. All right.
2: Which former Red Sox, Twins, and Mets pitcher was the first person ejected for arguing a call made by the TrackMan robot umpiring system? Oh, Viola! Sox, twins oh, and oh, Point goes Matt, to
1: Orso. He's got it. Yeah. <laughs> Orso up two nothing here. Looks like he's going to blow out his competition.
2: As expected.
1: <laughs> so why don't you? Uh, Mac, give the the audience some backstory on that.
2: This was in the Atlantic League last year. They were testing the TrackMan system. It was an agreement between MLB and that league to test out the the robot umpire, essentially. It was piped through an earpiece to the on-field umpire who stood in his normal home plate position. And I believe, I'm not too positive, Frank Viola was either upset that the umpire had not overridden the system because they had the opportunity to do that if they felt that the call was egregiously in error, or he was upset with what the system was calling. And uh, he, he took up for his pitchers and the umpire, point, you know, they told them to point to their ear to indicate to the aggrieved person that, the, that they hadn't called the pitch, the robot had called the pitch, or whatever you want to call it and the prank did not like that so he was he was thrown out and and uh, talked about his displeasure with the system after the game which of course i appreciated.
1: it there you have it i uh, recently went to a-
4: covid 19 is still around but that doesn't mean the army rotc programs are not there for you earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want the leadership developing army rotc classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com slash ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college.
1: An Atlantic League team game, Somerset Patriots, happy to report that there was no robot umpires, but they only played seven inning games, so it was interesting, but at least they were able to play baseball and fans were allowed in the ballpark. Moving on to Brendan here. Brendan, hopefully, this is a good one because Orso may be able to pull away with an insurmountable lead here if he gets this one right.
0: I know. And I'm kind of scared because I feel like this question's right up Orso's alley, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, but who was the first major league player to have an AAV over $1 million?
3: Oh, was it Catfish Hunter? Reggie, nope. Ooh, Matt, no guess. I have no idea. And I'm, I, I, oof. I know I've heard this before. Uh, but, 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 had, had it had to have been I feel like it... seven, late seventy. Was it Dave Winfield? Nope. Dang. All right, so the point
1: is going to go to Brendan. Brendan, who was it?
3: Nolan
1: Ryan, 1980.
0: You're the right there, Orso, you're right there knocking on the door. Oof, Liberflower.
1: All right, so we got <laughs> Orso two, Matt zero, Brendan one, and now we go back to Orso for his last question.:
3: All right. OK boys, since the turn of the century, there have been just three players to have at least 150 RBI in a season. Can you name them? Bond? Nope. Good guess. Very good guess. A Rod? He is one of them back in 2007. All right. So, who guessed that? That was that Brendan? That was Brendan. So, Brendan,
1: you'll get a point. Um, You won't get another point if you guess the other two, but you'll make sure that Matt can't get any points.
0: (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: Any guess Matt?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm thinking during that era, but uh, can't be Ortiz. He never had that. I think he had 140 once or something like that. Not Ortiz. Not Ortiz.
3: Hmm. All right, Orso.
1: I don't know. You got I do him know. So, Brendan does get a point, though. So, we're at a 2-2 tie
3: right here at the top of the leaderboard. All right. So Sammy Sosa had 160 for the 2001 Cubs and Miguel Tejada had 150 for the
2: 2004 Orioles.
3: Wow. That I would never have
2: come up with, no.
0: Uh, I was one. thinking Sosa McGuire could have been uh, an option.
1: Miguel Tejada, no shot, I was guessing that.
2: Yeah, McGuire was one that I was thinking of also.
1: I like that Orioles team with Tejada and, and Melvin Mora over there on the left oh, side yeah. of the infield.
3: Good times. They're very underrated left side
2: combo.
1: All right, Matt, let's see if uh... – your umpire trivia here is easily answered again. All
2: right, I gotta get on the board. I gotta get on the board here. Don't embarrass myself. So here's the question: Who was the first umpire to appear in MLB history with a triple-digit uniform number? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my God. He a-
0: he asked us the other day. Can I go back to uh Mike?
2: No, you may
1: not. With Matt, you guys just do uh, umpire oh, trivia in text right. message.
3: I'm gonna name <laughs> umpires. He me this the other day. Uh Last he debuted
0: this year. No. no, he debuted this year. i for, I totally forgot. He, he Matt literally texted me this like a couple weeks ago, and I totally forget. Matt was probably so
1: excited. Well. He was like, oh my gosh, guess what?
3: <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, oh, I have no idea. Bruce Wayne?
1: <laughs> that <No>. man. <laughs> that man gets the... All right, so Matt's on the board here. <laughs> All right. 2 1 2. So it's going to be a big time last question. If Brendan gets it, we're either going to see Orso winning, Brendan winning, or Matt tying it, and that's what you like to hear on a radio on a podcast. But Matt, what was the answer? Uh,
2: I hope I'm not butchering his name. It's it's Edwin Moscoso. He was uh, debuted this year wearing the number 109, and the reason for that is that uh, a number of umpires opted out of the year because of the virus, so they have uh, you know more umpires called up from AAA than usual and so they had to start uh, going over 100 so it's the first time they've ever had triple digit uniform numbers the NFL has had them for many years of course
1: are they going to retire Joe West's number
2: I think that that will probably not happen now the question of whether he gets in the hall of fame I would say he deserves it but they have retired umpires uniform numbers with that retired word in air quotes because they actually retire them but don't take them out of circulation and that's why they never have gone over 100 so there are a list of you know 10 or so quote unquote retired numbers in the umpire's media guide yearly but they don't actually take them out of circulation uh, the only number that's out of circulation is 42 uh, no umpire will ever wear 42 again and of course the league-wide uh, for Jackie Robinson
1: all right, thanks for the history lesson there. And it all comes down to this, the final trivia question. A lot at stake here. If no one gets it right, Brendan wins. If Warsaw gets it right, Warsaw wins. If Matt gets it right, we have a three-way tie and we have to go to a sudden death trivia question. All right, Brendan. A lot of, lot of pressure here, but take it away.
0: All right, folks. So we have been doing a lot of historical trivia Let's bring it to the current um the game and the 2020 season. Right now, uh, who is the current offensive war leader in the major leagues?
2: Gotta be Mikey Stromsky. Atis. Yep. The,
0: Matt Kutcher got it.
1: Oh, oh, we got a 2-2-2 two, <laughs> two, two tie. Oh my goodness gracious. All right. So here it comes. The sudden death tiebreaker. It's a relatively easy one. But Whoever gets it right is going to be the winner. Is everybody ready? I'm going to ask the question.
0: Okay. Bring it
1: All right. Which Hall of Famer, okay, Mm -hmm. is the only Hall of Famer to be in the Hall of Fame with only eight full fingers?
3: Oh, Mordecai Brown. There you have it, Mordecai
1: wow. Three-Finger Brown. Orso. Orso gets the win.
3: <laughs> oh. Like
1: I said, well it's a very, Orso. a very easy one. anybody else Anybody else know that answer? Or was it just Orso? I, I would not have gotten that. So, nope. due to a, due to a farm machinery incident in his youth, Brown lost two fingers on his right hand, his pitching hand. So, Mordecai Three-Finger Brown, uh, nineteen forty-nine, went into the Hall of Fame, and. He had had a pretty good career, and he, of course, is now going to always be, you know, someone Orso could brag about. So his career war was 58.4. He had a 2.06 ERA, and, of course, he is a Hall of Famer, and he had actually 49 saves as well with 239 wins, and he is, of course, Orso's big answer there, and Mordecai Finger Brown gives Orso the crown. Orso.
3: Give us your victory speech. I'd like to thank the Academy, um, my parents, um, my cat Sophie, um, my accountant Bill. You were always there for me, man. Appreciate it. We got this. We did it, Bob. We did it.
1: This had all the drama that we needed. Orso came jumped out to the early lead. Brendan tied it late. Matt comes out of nowhere with the umpire question and ends up tying it by getting Brendan's question right as well. And then Mordecai Three Finger Brown wins it for Matthew Orso. Guys, this is this has been a lot of fun.
3: That was a lot of fun. It was. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. All right.
1: Yeah, so I'm
2: surprised. I'm surprised I pulled off the tie at the end there. Really, it took a big comeback if we had stopped the game after seven innings. I never would have. <laughs> I
1: think. I think the, the runner, the runner, was on second base there in the extra innings. <laughs> All right, so let's. Uh, everybody could go around plug themselves and let our listeners know where they could uh, find them. Uh, we'll start with Orso. Orso, where can everybody find your work or ask you some baseball questions?
3: Uh, you can find me at a Yanksco Yard. I write as many articles as I can there. I actually have to pull up my Twitter to remember my Twitter handle so that's kind of embarrassing. Um, I think it's Matthew <laughs> underscore Orsa at Twitter so feel free to hit me up. Talk Baseball. Um, talk Star, Star Wars. Wars. Also a lot of Star Wars. Oh, at DJ LeMay, he was just placed on the IL with a left thumb sprain so I'm going to go cry in another room. Yeah.
1: There you have it. <laughs>
3: that's <laughs> gonna go cry
1: all right now we have uh matt who doesn't really tweet much but he does have his own personal twitter matt yes
2: you- yes you can find me at, at matt underscore C O U Q. and you'll find that i have not tweeted since 2016 but uh, if you have an umpire <laughs> question
1: <laughs> why don't you tell everybody about that open letter you wrote to rob manfred in 2000 you
2: found that you found that on the old uh, wordpress the old WordPress site.
1: It was it's, good now. You were talking about the game. Brendan, did yeah, you, did you read was, that I open was, letter?
2: I was just not happy. About I, the I don't game. think I
1: have read that.
2: Uh, well, we got to get it out to you. I mean, Nick tried hey, to retweet hey, it, you, it I, I, and I deleted it immediately so the public would not have to tolerate <laughs> that, tolerate my ranting and raving. <laughs> but that uh, seems we'll, like we'll a get, we'll to get a count. copy out to you.
1: <laughs> and Brendan, right. where can everybody find
4: it?
0: Uh, I'm on Twitter bpierce 27 LinkedIn Brendan Pierce. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm pretty pretty active on social media, so that's where you can find me.
1: There you have it. What a what a dynamic trio here, uh, and it, it's been it's been fun. And but usually what we do on, on this show, Joe and I, Joe of course, unfortunately not here, he's on assignment in Michigan, is we, we give our guests the last word, and you can kind of say whatever you want. So we'll start with Orso.
3: Okay, LeMahieu going on the IL. Now it's LeMahieu, Stanton, and Judge. This is turning into 2019 all over again, but being 2020, it's probably going to be worse. So I'm really hoping Clint Frazier doesn't get injured. And I really don't want to see a Yankees lineup where Brett Gardner is the cleanup hitter again, because then I'm going to go completely and utterly cuckoo and that's not going to be good for anyone. So Aaron Boone, if you know, what's good for society, do not bet Brett Gardner cleanup and do not put Jonathan Holder in a game ever again, unless it's in a minor league game and he has a screen in front of him. Why don't you just email your buddy Brian Cashman and let him know? I, you know what, I want to, but then I feel like that might come off as the rantings of a crazy person. And I don't want the public to realize that just yet.
1: All right, Matt, what do you have to say? I know you were in, you were in, a, you've been in some some Twitter debates with uh, some people over umpiring and whatnot. So I'm assuming you're going to give some sort of umpire-inspired message here.
2: Well, since you've set me up so nicely, uh, I think all these fans got to take it a little easy this year on the uh, the men in blue. They're all riled up. Keep in mind that uh, it's difficult to be back behind the plate wearing a mask underneath the mask. These guys didn't have, they had spring training and then they had a couple of exhibition games and then they come back, they're doing their first plate job. The fans are all over them because they're not calling what's in the box. I mean, my God, let's have a little humanity here. And uh, same goes for the players. I mean, you get a guy who's an unbelievable hitter like like J.D. Martinez, and they've changed the rules on the video this year, and he's struggled to adapt to that, not being able to look at his swing during the game. So it's just a strange, strange year. I think people need to, uh, to take it easy. Uh, that applies to all levels of baseball. Uh, let's just be grateful that we're out there, that uh, the sport is being played, that we have that opportunity this year instead of being so – uh so angry so downright angry as most of the twitterverse seems to be they're back in there they're back in usual form uh you know i think they why do you pick-
1: think that twitter and um the media made such a big deal over stress for getting ejected from the stands like wait well, they kept showing that highlight but it was totally yeah. irrelevant i mean by the next <laughs> pitch alonzo gets called out on the same spot where it was the so what yeah,
2: do you, what was- you think about that it was a funny clip. That's why, it. that's why it made the rounds. But uh, you know, the thing is there's no fans this year. So the umpires can hear everything that comes out of the, out of the, well, in this case the stands or in general, the dugout and it's, you know, a different umpire going to have a different tolerance level of, of what's coming out of there. But uh, you know, Carlos Torres was back there and he did give him a warning. He, he told the, told him to knock it off and Strasburg decided he would, Enjoy watching the game in the air conditioning. So off he went. <laughs> give us, give us your Mount Rushmore
1: of uh, umpires, real quick.
2: <laughs> well, that's an interesting question because if you if you look back in, in time, Bill Clem would have to be on there just on the basis of his uh, his games and his, his stats. I mean, Bill Clem, you think people complain now that guys have a quick trigger? I think he had over three hundred career rejections i'd have to look back but i mean bill clem was prolific in uh, tossing guys from the game back when the pictures were in black and white but uh phil clem and joe west certainly start start that that mount rushmore how about angel hernandez well i'm a fan of angel uh of course he doesn't have any the historic any, anywhere near the historic amount of games as, uh, as joe west or or anyone like that but uh, i think he's a, a damn good umpire all right brendan Take it uh,
0: yeah, last my uh, time to shine, I guess, would be, uh, I just hope that we get through the rest of the season is the biggest thing. Just the fact that uh, the, what, from mar- mid-March to about June, July, there was really no sports going on at all. And now the fact that uh, sports are finally back on the TV and really ha- coming home and being able to turn on the Mets game and stuff like that is really, there's no better feeling because it's some sort of normalcy, and I know this season is anything but normal, and um, there are a lot more important things going on in the world right now. But um, it definitely makes you feel a lot better when you come home and I get to turn on SNY and watch the Mets, the Mets games, even though they are extremely stressful at times. Um, the fact that we're in a position to be playing these baseball games and stuff like that, there's really um, no better feeling in the world. So hopefully um, they could keep it up and stay in a somewhat decent spot. Um, and complete the season. So hopefully we'll crown the 2020 champion.
1: Hopefully.
3: or so. who do you have the Yankees beating in the World Series? Um, oof. I. You know what? I'm liking the Padres right now. I don't know why. I don't think they'll make it, but I'm liking the Padres. So if you had to ask me right now at this second, the Yankees will beat the Yankees in the World Series because the Yankees are just that good. And no love for Derek Jeter's Marlins? I'm surprised. <laughs> no, I mean, oh, 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 okay, okay. And I've said this before because of the whole COVID stuff with the Marlins. How ironic would it be that a Derek Jeter-led club and a Don Mattingly-managed club could be the reason that baseball had ceased a few weeks ago and stripping the Yankees their chance at a 28th title? That would have been the ultimate irony. Matt, World Series predictions?
2: I really have this feeling, as most stories go in baseball, that uh, someone is going to overcome this type of uh, uh, adversity. And and I think the Cardinals and the Marlins are two teams that would not surprise me to see there. Just looking at the long history of the game, it seems like to me, Uh, there's always some adversity that that eventual champion overcomes look at yeah I mean as of now
1: the Cardinals four and three second in the division they're they're a postseason team so I didn't the thing that's been killing the Mets Brendan is that they played too many games If they they played less games they'd they'd be doing a lot better
0: yeah that's what I'm saying with especially with teams like the Marlins and the Cardinals where are they going to get through like I think the Marlins as of now I think they're still trying to play all 60 but I think even with uh all these double headers that the cardinals are going to be playing i don't even think that they're going to be able to get 60 games in i think they're going to have 58 games and if it's a close race being that the season's only 60 games long are you really going to give it to a team uh like a seven or eight seed to a team that has played two or three fewer games or whatever the case may be like to me i think that's a little unfair so um my big my I hate to give a boring chalky answer, but as far as the World Series is concerned, I think the two best teams in the majors right now are the Yankees and the Dodgers. I just think they're both so deep and uh, it would be, those are the two best teams in the majors. So I think as of now, those are the two teams that I see in the World Series. But um, being that with the expanded playoffs and how the series are so short, you just need to get into the playoffs. And once you get into the playoffs, it's going to be, a complete disaster. With I would love team. to see
1: uh, the 16 seed win the World Series. Wouldn't that? I mean, that'd, it, be, it, that'd be, 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 be funny. Be, but that'd be bad because it, I don't want to see match. I don't want to see 16 teams after this year in the playoffs. That's that's too much. No, I no. I really no, like no, the, no. what the Rockies are doing, but I think because there's a rumor that there might be a postseason bubble in Los Angeles that'll benefit the Dodgers, and I, I see them losing in the World Series to the Tampa Bay Rays. Like the mm. Rays, the Rays. This is it's one of these years, or so. I'm sorry to tell you, but the Rays are going to break through, and they're finally going to win the title. But no, nobody's no openers. Nobody's hotter than the no. Oakland Athletics right now.
0: Very true. Very true. true. I could, I could see them. They could be, turning, they could be locked out of a playoff season.
1: spot by next week. I mean, with the way <laughs> yeah. and the trade deadline, we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's coming up soon. Um, the big thought was Lindor be traded, but why would the Indians trade when right now they're in the playoffs, and they're only a game out of the first seed for the AL Central. So it's going to be interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. But this has been fun, guys. For Matthew Orso, for Matt Couture, for Brendan Pierce, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know i ah, Right.